If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome to the Weekly Exchange. This week in Forex and Strategy Game News, we have updates on Stellaris, Thea 2, Galsiv 3, and much, much more. Nate and Troy. Hey, Troy. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Nate. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing okay. We got another weather system passing oh. through. So <laughs> if there are any uh, difficulties with the recording, let me apologize ahead of time. Yeah. I am so, so cold right now. The cold mm-hmm. fronts come in. I'm freezing. Did you guys get any snow? Well, I, I, there's I, snow in our forecast. Yeah. Oh, okay. And right, yeah. we never, where I get where I live, we never get snow this early in the year. We we may have had a few snows mm-hmm. on Thanksgiving, but, but not never before, Thanksgiving. before Thanksgiving. Oh, I probably, I'd say seven or eight years ago when we moved out here, we had a snowstorm that dropped like on Halloween and then knocked <laughs> out the power to the state, majority of the state for five days. It was a blizzard. And our, our part of the state, teeny tiny little part of the state is the only part of my state that had power. So everybody from like the whole state came and like booked up every single hotel, motel, everything. The restaurants were packed. Everything was packed. Like all the schools were closed. Everything was closed. And kids were out all day long playing. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, I bet. I bet. So, well, anyways, you know what yeah. else is really cold? Mm. Space. So yes. why don't you start with endless space? Yes, we haven't had any endless space two news in a while. I mean, we know that the Umbral Choir is being worked on. There were several community votes being held on, you know, like the various heroes and ships and their history and, you know, what they look like. And now we have a new vote. So at the time of recording, which is on a Friday night, which is actually pretty early for us, usually we record a little bit later, but this weekend is crazy and there might be weather. So we're trying to get ahead of things. And um, this vote is about, so the first vote was for actually naming the faction that, you know, something that was, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I'll just say something else. So instead, what we have now is a second vote. And this is for the hero names. So there will be a link. There's, there's not really much to go over. You know, you there'll be a link. Click on it. Go vote. Have your voice heard. Have your vote count. And I will not say another word about voting because I was, oh, my God, I was about to go on a tangent. So <laughs> let us not do that. I, you have not heard anything. My internal sensor said, no, Nate, no. And I did. So I think we shall move on from that. If you want to vote on the hero names, there will be a link in the notes. Click on it. Follow the link. If you're registered on their site, you're going to be able to vote and choose what you would like the heroes named. And with that, let us move on to another space game, Children of the Galaxy. I saw that they had an update this week. Yes. And this one gets my vote of approval because... Uh, you know, it's actually been a long time since we really talked about this game, and one of my big complaints when I was playing it was the micromanagement. The game has two sets of maps. It's got the galaxy map where you can move your ships around, and then each system has its own huge map that comes with it. And so, like, the amount of hexes in this game, it, it's just staggering. And one of the parts of the game that was really difficult to enjoy at least for me was combat because i'd have to move my ships out of the system onto the galaxy map then i'd have to move them across the galaxy map to another system then into the system and then i'd have to gain engage in combat and this was a 
a real pain when trying to take over multiple systems at once. So what the developers for Children of the Galaxy have done is they've added a war score to the game, and lots of games have war scores now, so you kind of know what that's all about. And in with the war score, if you win, you can take up to three systems all at once, which would be great. That's wonderful. This really cuts down on the amount of movement and micromanagement and, I, I don't know, popping in and out of maps and everything. If you can meet um, the requirements for, for a war score that gets high enough, you can just gobble up systems that way. That is so much better than it used to be. Um, the other updates are rather small. We got an update to the UI. Uh, the more or less like heroes are called personnel in this game. Got new texts for lifespan, so I imagine that increases their lifespan. But the big thing here is Children of the Galaxy got a war score, which is an improvement on the micromanagement. I don't think that comes close to uh, alleviating the biggest parts of the problem. But it definitely the, the asteroid it. fields, the asteroid fields, the asteroid fields, like colonizing each individual planet with a ship. Like you, like you're in the same system, right? You've got a bunch of planets in the same system. You have to build a colony ship for each planet in the system. That's just ridiculous. Like, that should just be, like, a, mm. a, a building you could add to the building queue because mm. you just build the shuttle and you send the colonists over. You don't need well, an interstellar vessel to go from, like, Earth to Mars. Maybe they'll make an in-system colony ship because usually in space games, the colony ship is not a shuttle. Or a bus or a train. It <laughs> a is a bus. vehicle. Well, you know, it's not busing yeah, colonists. Yeah. It's a vehicle that starts from point A, gets to point B, and then it is used to establish the colony. The vehicle is disassembled. The, the various components of this, you know, vehicle are used to build the infrastructure of the colony, used to, you know, build the, the vehicles in the colony, you know, house the colonists and all the equipment. So it's, it's usually that so maybe if they make something that's like a different type of colony vessel that's within the system maybe i don't know just an idea or they could just do it like endless space 2 does yeah, where you colonize just you call yeah well you, you know. know i mean that's just that's the better way to do it for a game like this and they've taken a lot of design cues from endless space 2 they, they've kind of mixed it mm -hmm. more with mm -hmm. master of orion 2 like endless mm -hmm. space 2 is really a master of orion 2 game but it's way in, in my opinion, way better. Uh, yeah. So uh, I think Children of the Galaxy could learn from what Endless Space 2 did and, I don't know, kind of, well, kind of let's fix see. that part of the micromanagement. I mean, look, they're still improving the game. They're still working on it. So that already is a big check in their corner. You know, they're doing a good job. So who knows? Mm -hmm. Maybe they listen to our show and they're like, oh, man, those guys have great ideas. I'm glad we thought of it, which is Great. By all means, please use our ideas. Just don't forget to name a faction after Exploraminate or something oh, like that. Oh, you don't have to do that. I'm kidding. I'm not really, but I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on to Stellaris. Right. So this week, thankfully, it is a lighter content update. Basically, this dev diary is a much shorter one. And I know a lot of people are like, what? I want more. I want more. But I'm of the mind. That, like, I want a little bit less just once in a while just to give me a chance to catch my breath and to process all of this. So this week they're talking about the ca caravaneers. And that's basically, I apologize to any of our listeners if you are of, of gypsy or traveler or, you know, Romani. of that descent. Which, what was that? Romani. Romani, right. If you are from that part of Eastern Europe, maybe. So because I believe the original group came from India back in the day but anyways that all that aside um that's kind of how they're playing this off right here it's three different factions of these they call them corporations but i don't know they're, they're not looking like it to me at least and they're coming to you with a sweet sweet deal that they can offer you different things so they have uh the racket and unless they change the name maybe they wanted to say rocket or something i don't know but they're saying the racket industrial enterprises i don't know man that does not sound like a corporation i want to do business with <laughs> then you have the numistic order that sounds like the the scientologists or mm -hmm. something like that the space scientologists or yeah. something and then they have the vengralian trium which sounds like the casino magnate and i'll tell you why so first of all each of them has their own unique ships and that's really cool 
Second thing, each one of them offers different deals. So that's the idea is that they offer different deals and they, you know, they'll come to you from system to system. They'll offer you different things. So, you know, if you have the money or the credits, you take it. And if you don't, well, then you wait and they'll come back. Maybe they'll have something better. Now, finally, they have something called a Caravaneer Coalition Base, which sounds more like a type of a space casino. And they're continuing on their joke with the whole loot boxes and microtransactions and, you know, everybody's feeling good about themselves. And, I mean, it's cool. I I can appreciate it. I don't – I'm not a fan of it. But, hey, I'm one person. There's, you know – how many copies has Stellaris sold now? Has has it passed 2 million? Oh, I have no idea now, but it was definitely on its way to that. So yeah, there's one million approximately one million nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine or so other people that might enjoy it. So you know, there is that. But it's cool. I mean, I get their humor. It's funny. It's better than some of the dad jokes coming out from Paradox. <laughs> so as long as they don't have a faction that all they do their idea of the okay. Now that I said it, if they do this, I do want credit. Okay, I I want credit. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I want credit. If you create a faction that their sole form of diplomacy are bad dad jokes and you have to decipher these dad jokes because if you don't, they will kill you like some kind of a fallen, a new fallen, um, you know, fallen race or maybe some kind of a grand menace with the the grand dad joke menace or something. I don't know. The meme makers or something. If you guys do something like that, I want credit. That's it. But it's cool. Now, here's the thing. I've read, I've been looking online to see like what other people are thinking. And I've seen quite a few people saying like, oh man, I don't know. Look, they're spending all this money on art. Why are they not going to make uh, more ships available, you know, so we can have more variety in aliens. I'm tired of looking at the same, same, I think it's six designs, six different designs. Well, here's the thing. I think that I'm going to look in my magical crystal ball and I'm going to future cast either 2.3 or 2.4 is going to be like probably 2.3 is going to be a species pack and 2.4 is going to be another story pack. So my guess is, is that 2.3 is going to have a new ship set with a new set of alienoids, aliens. Maybe it'll be like the silicoid, some rock aliens, or maybe it'll be some kind of energy a gas. Energy beings would be really cool. Energy, like a different a couple of different energy beings or gas, you know, or, or maybe um, some non-corporeals or something like that, you know, because they're have that as events you know so maybe it'll be something like that but i suspect that we're going to get another ship pack soon or another species pack that's going to come with ships but anyways that's it for stellaris and uh, speaking of futuristic and space why don't you tell us about age of wonders planetfall okay we're going to talk about diplomacy in planetfall and this is an enormous update this week how about uh, you pick like three favorite points yeah I, that that that's pretty good. Well, for one thing, um, probably the biggest news is that there will be a diplomatic victory condition in Planetfall. It won't just be kill everybody or uh, hold on to the shards for a certain amount of time. You will be able to win through diplomacy in Age of Wonders Planetfall. Um, there are a lot of different ways you can relate to other factions. I don't think any of them are necessarily groundbreaking. You have an alliance, a defensive pack, non-aggression pack, neutral, war. All that seems pretty basic, and I hope that is not the extent of it. At the very least, they should be able to look at the endless games and steal ideas from that and add that to the diplomatic options. There's also a vassalage, and this one's a little bit more interesting. I'm not sure how fun it would be, but... Let's say you're getting stomped by another player or the AI. You can pledge to be that enemy's vassal, and they will stop conquering you. And what that means is you are allied with them. If they tell you to go to war, you must go to war. But you can't ever break that agreement. You as the vassal can never break the agreement. The The person who's your overlord can break it, or... If your overlord gets conquered by somebody else, you're you're excused from that um, agreement. But otherwise, you're stuck in this, I don't know, well, vassalage, right? Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. Which, the, you know, it would be all, it would be really interesting if they added some type of subterfuge way to get out of it. 
that would make it a bit more interesting. But I, I suspect, I suspect it's going to be more like what they did in Stellaris, where as a vassal, you have enough autonomy to build up your strength, and then you look for a weakness in your lord, and then you turn on him, essentially. So I suspect no, that this ma- no 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 I know you can't right now. Oh, I understand okay. that. Uh-huh. What I'm saying is once the beta, once they have their closed beta, and I don't know if it started or not, or if they're anywhere near it. But once that happens, they have. So what what um, Triumph does is they have this like s- something that maybe even Amplitude like knew about. So they kind of did it themselves with the VIPs. So they have this group of players like these like power players and different styles and they just play the game like crazy and punch holes in things and give feedback that's why age of wonders 3 had improved so much because they had this good interaction with the community so i bet you there are going to be people in the community that are going to point stuff like this out to them so maybe now you know it's there's no way to really break it but i bet you that's they're going to find a way to introduce it or at least talk about it so i mean I know what you mean. Yeah, it's it sounds kind of, you know, endgame-ish. Like, okay, once you become a vassal, yeah, okay, you're stuck there forever, pretty much. And that, that I don't know. I, I, th- I hope to introduce yeah, ways why, to break it. What would it. be the player's incentive to do that other than to not lose? If a player um, wants to not lose, they can just restart the game. I got one for you. If there's a win condition that if your vassal, if your lord wins the game and you're their vassal you also win the game you get like a secondary win condition or something like that is you know yeah. hey i was with the winners so or maybe yeah. if there's other victory types like you're close to an economic victory or something maybe yeah so th- there's that. but then that seems like it would be a way to just kind of game the ai oh wow well. <laughs> i'm about yeah. to win here let me pledge my vassalage and then you know they don't attack you right away right you're not gonna attack your new vassal i mean so, there's I another know. thing to it too let's say some ai is about to win and if you declare your vassalage you to the competing ai then all of a sudden that ai is no longer in the process of winning because now that this or human or whoever this you know the lord is now they're on an equal standing with uh almost winner i mean there's a lot of possibilities that can be had there yeah. i'm pretty sure some of these will be teased out during the beta testing you know yeah all right we'll see okay. uh, another thing they're adding is casus belli or you know your reasons for war your cause for war mm-hmm. and you know this is so uh, similar to a lot of other games that have had you justify your reasons for going to war. I don't know how this really fits into Age of Wonders game that is so combat focused. Mm-hmm. Like, do I? Do you really want players having to waste their time fabricating Cassus Belli as, instead of as, just going to war? As long as I have the one that I need, which is you looked at me funny. I don't care what yeah, the other ones there are. There's way to I, trigger. You know, you can fabricate a Cassus Belli. Mm-hmm. which does give you reputation penalties, and reputation is a currency that you can use to accomplish certain things in the game. But I don't know about this. Th- this seems kind of uh, it's against a pe- the it's... ethos of Age of Wonders as it's been presented since 1999. So it's it's a paradox mechanic. They have that in it a is. lot of their games. It so is. we'll just have to see. We you know It's too soon to make a judgment call. Oh, this is a good feature or a bad feature. It's kind of, I have a feeling they're throwing stuff out there to get the community to come back and, you know, have some kind of a dialogue between the developers and the community before the beta begins. You know, once it begins, then we'll have to kind of wait and see. Yeah, so, so those are oh, the three biggest things from this. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Have you read over that, Nate? Is there anything else you thought was interesting? All of it is interesting. It's well, the, yeah, it's, that's true. <laughs> I, I can't. That's why I, told, I asked you. I'm like, hey, Troy, you cover this. Yeah, yeah, you find three things because then I don't have to be on the spot because people are going to be like, Nate, I can't believe you didn't think this thing was important. Nate, how dare you leave that thing out? Now I can be like, nah, it's Troy. <laughs> Send all your complaints to him. It's not me. But yeah, it's all interesting. Gladly I'll discuss any of it with anybody in the comments or in the thread or wherever. It's just what I find interesting is that in Planetfall, you have a lot more diplomatic options, at least at the moment, than you did in Age of Wonders 3. And this is, in my opinion, one of the biggest shortfalls of Age of Wonders 3 is that diplomacy was, for the most part, irrelevant there. Now, of course, I've had a lot of people going on in my ear about I don't know how to find or points to it, and I'm like, great. 
I understand. I, I'm not going to argue with you. But, I mean, sure, I have 160 hours in the game, not 13 minutes. But, you know, I, I don't like Age of Wonders 3, obviously, because I don't have 600 hours in the game yet. So, you know, there is that. But I'm very excited for this. I'm very curious to see what they do with this. And, you know, until we actually get to try it, I'm not going to make any any opinions or I'm not going to voice any objections. Having said that, let me talk about another Space 4X game where diplomacy, there's only really one type at the end of a barrel of a gun or last rifle or, uh, you know, power fist or <laughs> chainsword. So uh, Warhammer 40K Gladius Relics of War, which is a game that I reviewed and I'm very fond of it and I'm very excited to see what major next what's the next major faction that's going to come out now they did a small dlc with like tiny little additions to each of the factions and the neutrals and it was cool and all i don't know about the price but then somebody mentioned look you know this is games workshop they exact their toll valve gets their toll i'm pretty sure that the studio did not want to proxy did not want to charge so much for this but they had no choice. And when I th- when I think about it, I'm like, yeah, you know what? This, this is probably what happened. No problem. It's all good. The game's fantastic. I'm really enjoying it. So the one thing in the game, besides having more factions, because this is Warhammer 40K, there's amazing factions with unique gameplay. Other than that, the only real thing that this game needs at this point is really continued improvement to the AI. And that's exactly what they're doing. And... The patch notes for the AI are really big. I mean, not big like, oh, like Paradox, 10 pages big, but big in the sense like they're important changes. And some of the really major, major important changes has to do with how the AI deals with um, injuries and like healing and pulling units back, not leaving units in for too long when they can pull them back and heal and rotating units around. Another uh, issue that's being addressed here is um, <clears throat> how the AI determines what buildings to build, and then also um, how the AI engages in melee combat and the visibility of the units. And because the AI can cheat, it doesn't need to, but it can. So this is kind of maybe addressing that so people will not feel like they're being gamed by the AI, at least on the lower, medium difficulties. Now, this game was not particularly easy on the lower difficulties, though I know there are plenty of Forex people out there that are like, oh my God, this game is so easy, I figured it out. But most people haven't, so some of these changes might make the game even harder. So I'm hoping that they can appreciate that they're playing an interesting game. Can't really... um, you know, can't can't really speak for anybody else, but I, I like these AI changes, and I'm hoping to continue seeing these adjustments, these improvements, because essentially, when we're playing a 4x game, the number one complaint, the number one complaint by the majority of the players has to do with AI, and usually it's the AI is too weak, the AI is too predictable, the AI is cheating, <laughs> the AI has unfair advantages, and here. It doesn't really have them so much as it's actually playing a game. They simplified the game for the AI to play better. And in a war game, diplomacy, yeah, let's let's have a diplomatic sit-down after I'm done wiping you out, you know? That, that's my diplomacy. So anyways, we're actually, um, very soon you're going to hear the audible extension for Gladius. It's It was recorded. So you're going to hear it, and then we will discuss this further in there. So if you have any opinions or any comments as far as to what we got right or wrong, that's a great place to comment. And having said that, let's go ahead and move on to another game. Let's let's move away from space for X. You know, we've been in space enough. Let's get let's let's go back in time a little bit from the sci-fi into a little bit of fantasy. Why don't you tell us about the recent revelation for Thea 2? Alright, so yeah, Thea 2 got a gameplay trailer for early access. It's coming up on the 30th of November. And the trailer kind of just tells a story, you know, it's kind of narrated by one of the deities in the game and it's just kind of telling you what's going on. And I didn't catch it at first, but then once I did, I rewound it and, and watched it over from the beginning because it's, it's showing you and telling you some of the new mechanics that we haven't seen yet in the game. First Mm -hmm. kids, kids, well, I'll get there. there. Oh, sorry. sorry. Kids, relax. Kids, kids. First, 
it shows uh, a trade window between you and another faction. So I thought that was really cool because now you're going to be able to trade goods among, well, uh, other players, certainly when you're um, playing multiplayer, or with some of the NPC factions, which is great. Also, there's going to be kind of a quest for adulthood, like Nate's really excited about for kids. Um, unsettles me a bit there, Nate. How how much? No, it's not, because uh, I'm not. Ju- well, I am kind of judging, but anyway. No, yeah, when, no, uh, no, no. Remember, kids were like items in the first game. It's like you're carrying around a sack of kids, and like, oh. <laughs> All yeah, of a sudden, one true. of my kids hatched, and now I have a full-grown adult. He's ready to rock, or she's ready to rock and roll, you know? And it's like, that doesn't make sense. But now, in a game where it's about the small unit, where you don't have thousands of people or millions of people, you only have a 100 maybe, or 50, or 30, or however many you have, kids play a role. Especially considering that I'm playing the kick, the Kickstarter, the Kickstarter backer beta, and like in a lot of my games, there was always a kid and something horrible happened to the kid. And I, I was like traumatized by that. So now it's like, okay, the kids get to do something that's not traumatizing to me. That's all. That's why I'm excited for this. Mm. I swear. I swear. Okay. So anyhow, uh, yeah, you'll get a quest with different options when the child is ready to be an adult. There's always a risk that the kid dies in the process. But yeah, it's going to have you tell a little story about the kid. It makes... Uh, the initiation into adulthood, uh, a mini story in its of itself and more memorable for the player. And I really like that. Also, we've known for a while that you'll be able to found multiple villages in Thea 2. And in order to do that, you'll need something called a cosmic seed. So they introduced that in this trailer, what it looks like. But what they hadn't told us before is that you can, instead of making a village with that cosmic seed, you can incorporate it into equipment and make a very powerful artifact instead. So that's really cool. It is the very definition of allowing the player to choose between going wide or going tall. You can go wide and have multiple villages, or you can go tall and have a few guys with some really uber weapons to use in combat. Mm-hmm. So Mjolnir and Captain America yeah, shield. I, I thought it was just a fantastic idea, way to go. And then finally, the video ends on a little vignette where, you know, let's say your group is out on an expedition and the weather turns bad and your food runs out and you're getting desperate. Well, in Thea 2, you can dismantle pets for bone and food. Yes, yes, Uh, because obviously that's what you do. But, I mean, it is a post-apocalyptic fantasy setting. Isn't that, I mean, I think it's disturbing, but at the same time, it's perfect for the setting. It's a very thematic mechanic to include that Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. can dismantle your war hound or your horse Mm -hmm. or donkey or whatever Mm -hmm. for food in an emergency. Like, that's that's mm -hmm. horrifying. And yet completely appropriate for the game. And I love and, it. It's and, brilliant. And and I'm sure that there are some players out there like, dude, I'd rather eat that guy before I eat my dog. So we'll yeah, see no, if that becomes no part about of the... being able to dismantle other people oh, and dude, eat them. Dude, they, so. with the events that were in the first game, I would not yeah, be surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past them. I would this this is this is Slavic lore. Slavic lore is not Disney. <laughs> you know? So all right. Speaking of Eastern European stuff, uh this week we have a video. It's I think it's just under 20 minutes from the guys that are putting together Empires in Ruins. And this is the Forex hybrid with tower defense, which is definitely an interesting way to go. And um what can I say? It's cool. Because we get to see the game, and then at the same time, we get to get the thoughts of the developer. We get to see some of the some of the work that they're putting in. And I'll be honest with you, I'm excited. I, I am. And I'm not excited because I say that about everything, which I do because I am genuinely excited. But I'm excited because this is a game that is, as I've said before, and I will repeat again, I will parrot myself. This is a game that is trying something different than 4X. 
The second biggest complaint that we have in 4X, the first one being the AI, the second one is that all the games are the same. There's too much of sameness, too much of copying this game, copying that game. So you only have maybe three or four prototypes and everything else is just a clone or derivative of it. Whereas here they're trying something different. The story, you know, it's not a story we've never heard of before, but the game style is different and the play style is a little bit different. So it'll, it's interesting. I mean... I, I see some of the comments that people are leaving. I follow them on Twitter. I interact with various people that play the game. And I have yet to see somebody come back and say it's terrible, horrible. Oh, my God. You guys wasted my time. People are usually coming back and saying stuff like, oh, this is fun. This is unique. Oh, you know, I I like tower defense, but I got boring. They're all the same. And here you have something different. Like, okay, this is kind of cool. And, you know, it's interesting mechanics, interesting lore. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'm looking forward to getting more feedback. Maybe one of our community members has been messing around because they've had several betas. So having said that, we got some very interesting news, like right before we we were recording this, for Oriental Empires. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so Oriental Empires, it's going to get its first DLC, and I might even call this an expansion. There's so much new stuff in it, and it is called Genghis. So the developer spent a ton of time researching Chinese culture, Chinese history, uh, the the various aspects of, of Chinese technology in ancient times, the geography, all that, and has decided to destroy it with the first DLC with Genghis. I'm kidding. That's not what's going to happen at all. But, but uh, Genghis and the Mongols are being added to the game, and also other non-Chinese factions, it would seem. Uh, I, I see new units for Turkish tribes and the Empire of, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong, Khwarazm. Khwarazm. Yeah, yeah, you pronounced it wrong. Yeah, I, I'm positive I did, but it's going to be in there. And uh, it's going to have uh, an expanded map that will extend um, from China in the east uh, all the way to Mongolia and over to the Caspian Sea which is really, really cool. You're going to have new units, uh, particularly for the Mongolians, uh, and, uh, you know, like their horse archers and this sort of thing, armored horses. Uh, this is going to add a lot to the game. New buildings, new events. So uh, this is this is really exciting. And it looks like a new building style, too. Yeah, they have I, a I picture think so. I think so. And that looks... L- Islamic in nature, almost like it's uh, well, it said Turkish. somewhere in the Middle East. Well, no, no, but I mean, it looks like it could be somewhere like on the north edge of the Middle East or something like that. Because I mean, you're looking at the way that uh, Genghis Khan, mm-hmm. the horde, spread across that part of the world, and that was a massive empire. Yes, for a, yes, absolutely, a bunch of horsey tribesmen. They, woo! and I think I, I don't know, I cannot confirm this, but I remember reading this in the last couple of months that the the Genghis Khan was responsible for something like between 250 million to half a billion deaths during his reign during the conquest be it through warfare be it through you know famine disease like he killed a lot of people not with his own hands I'm sure I mean he would have been really busy but (laughs) his forces you know uh, so yeah. So anyway, yes, Genghis is coming to Oriental Empires. I think that's a huge deal, and um, yeah, we're gonna look forward to that. Yeah. Yes, and we will have coverage for it. And since I wrote it up, most likely I'll probably be doing some kind of a um, once it comes out, once we get access to it. I mean, I still have a few things on my plate that I'm trying to clear before the end of the year. But who knows? Maybe I'll be able to do like a short little write-up on this just to try and stay as timely as we can be. Yeah. So uh, back to high tech stuff. Why don't you tell Mm -hmm. us about Battletech? Yes. So Flashpoint is coming out very soon. And what they're doing is they've been, they've had, they've had a couple of stream where they talk about it. They've had, um, they've had, uh, dev diaries and now they're kind of diving a little further in and they're talking about the unit design. They're talking about the new mech, the hatchet men. So they're trying to really stay away. So this is, this is like a small little, not small, but this is on the scale of stuff, a tiny DLC. There's probably going to be a major, major expansion coming after this, which is, has to do with the lore in the Battletech universe. And I'm not going to really go into that at this point. Cause that's, that's another dark deep hole. That's fantastic, but very uh, 
like there's a lot of stuff there. So they're talking about the Hatchman. They have the art for it. Then then they have the you know the computer design, the way it moves, and they're explaining the reasoning behind it. And just just you just have to kind of click and look on it. Even though it's a it's a light unit compared to well, it's not. I believe it's a medium unit actually. But overall, compared to some of the mid and late game units, it's kind of weak. The fun, the point is is that it's a damn cool addition, and it gives me a fan an insight into their development process. And I like that. I, I, I like to not because I'm imagining myself as some kind of a fledgling game designer, and you know I'm working on something. I'm not. But it's interesting for me to see the reasoning behind it because it gets me more invested. That's one of the reasons I think why I'm such a fan of XCOM too, you know? Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. So, all right. Let me see. So, following up with that, there was an update from Phoenix Point. Now, as a backer, I got an email, which I believe came out. Let me take a look real quick. I believe it was today which is Friday. Yes, Friday, like Friday afternoon, early afternoon, again, email telling me that the backer build number three is going to be available on Monday. Now, they've been teasing with short little videos of animations and stuff like that on YouTube that are just like you look at and you're like, whoa. Then they have the uh, the design, that like the dev diaries where they're talking about stuff, which is like, whoa. And now I thought this was going to be at the end of the month. And they're like, no, no, it's it'll be here in a couple of days. So... We are going to have Mark did a video for it, which will be linked in the notes for Backer Build 2. Like he did a short playthrough of it. It's just one mission and uh, did some funny stuff in there or sad. Really depends how you want to look at it. I laughed, but not at him, with him, because he said some funny stuff too. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's pretty good. So we'll probably have a video for this as well, like a preview type video for Backer Build 3. We're going to get. Um, so what's new with this backer build three? Well, we're gonna get kind of almost like a stripped down version of the Geoscape. Now, the Geoscape is the meta map. It's where the the strategizing is going down. Like, what do you do? Where you move? What are your distances? I mean, because in this, so for example, like I'll tell you, I'll go back to XCOM, the recent iterations of XCOM. You didn't really have a range. You could travel the whole map. In Phoenix Point, you can't. You have an effective range that you can travel because you have to refuel. And if you don't have a fuel depot somewhere along the way or a way to refuel, essentially your game is over if you get stuck there because unless you get lucky and discover something along the path, you're not going anywhere. You're going to get caught by the monsters and it's over and done with. The Pandora virus offspring will get you. So anyways, it's got Geoscape. It's got, they're giving us a sample of squad management we're getting some new environments. It looks like a city map, which is like, oh my god, that is so cool! It's it's ridiculous. They're explaining the mist mechanic a little bit. They're gonna they're gonna feature some of the new enemy types that we've seen, uh, some new class abilities. It's awesome. Click on the link to see these notes if you haven't. Video is coming soon. Yeah, so we got a couple of news items here that are related to each other. First is Galsiv three. And it's going to be getting a new DLC called Heroes of Star Control Origins. And it's going to introduce four new major factions to play in Civilization. And they're going to be based on factions from Star Control Origins. Okay? Now, in this update, I didn't see exactly which ones they would be. Did you, Nate? I mean, we have uh, the one they, that looks like a a dog, right? Pictured. Yeah. No. They. Let me see. Let me see if they. Yeah. I linked the news item from their website. So they. Sh- yeah. They show us one of the factions, but they don't show us. So maybe the other three are a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. So what they're doing with this DLC is they are incorporating intellectual property from Star Control Origins into Galsiv Three, which brings us to Star Control Origins. And we got a November update for that game. And for the most part, they're just releasing a couple what they call quiet updates that improve modding support. And uh, they're also working with uh, on some mods that will add additional aliens to the game so pe- players can create new uh, factions and things like that. And all that's going to be under the multiverse tab when you're setting up the game so again you know if you just want to play the base game or if you want to pick and choose what mods 
you you want to have for each new game you start you can do that from the multiverse options there um and also uh they're they're talking again about the upcoming expansion for the game and this is i think a little bit different from other stardock games it's going to have a season pass and there's going to be four parts to it nick did you ever do a season pass for like um civilization or anything like that um i i i did it for yeah i did it uh when about civ 6 i don't know if it was a season pass or what what they called it but like maybe it was i got like the first you're supposed to get like the first three dlc for free but then when they released the first faction and I was like, wait, that's what you guys meant? And then oh, I there was that. so much blowback from that, that the second piece had two factions. You know, like the, the first one was one faction. I think it was Poland. Yeah. Maybe. I think that's who it was. And the second one was like some map packs and something like that. And they're like, wait, what? Are you serious? So, yeah. So, I okay. yeah, I haven't done it since. But yeah, I did it yeah, for that's, that. This is an interesting model for it. We'll see how that goes. For Stardock, um, I mean, I guess they got to experiment with something like that. Everybody else is doing it, so I mean, they might as well give it a try for this game. Um, it like if you have a lot of experience with season passes, could could you leave us some comments with your experiences with it down down in the comments for this podcast or in our forums? Because it's not something I've ever done. It, it, I don't know. It seems kind of a gamble to me, so I've never really done it. But if you've done it and either liked it or hated us, let us know what your experience was like, and I think we could learn from it. But also, this week, we're going to report a little bit on the lawsuit between the original creators of Star Control, Paul and Fred, and Stardock, because there's been some developments on that front. Uh, some of you may remember that there was a time when Paul and Fred were filing a lot of DMCA's against Stardock for uh, uh, concerning Star Control that prevented Stardock from from marketing it or selling it or putting in early access things like that. Well, that's been resolved. They came to a settlement on that, which is which is fine. But the lawsuit has been amended by both sides and is now more expansive. My interpretation of what's happened is that Stardock is now asserting that because of an oversight or some other agreement way back when Paul and Fred originally worked with Accolade, Stardock is now asserting that Paul and Fred never had any rights and Accolade was in full control of the IP from the beginning. Paul and Fred have amended their side of the lawsuit to now include Steam and GOG, formerly Good Old Games, as entities that are enabling Stardock to continue to infringe on their copyright. So now, not only is Stardock involved in this lawsuit, but so are Valve and CD Projekt. So this has grown immensely from when the lawsuit first began. And all that aside, I, I almost have to wonder if this hasn't become more of a point of honor for the parties involved rather than an, a, a real economic uh, situation here or a real... for my, my concern is this. I don't think that Star Control is selling all that well. And here's why. When the game launched, you know, I do my yearly... Uh, well. Analysis of yeah, my, <laughs> used to do my yearly analysis of uh, you know sales, sales yeah. and the market for forex and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I'm mm -hmm. used to looking at these numbers. When Star right. Control launched, it, it peaked out at 2,600 players, and for the first month, are you looking at are you looking at Steam charts? Yeah, it's Steam charts, and um, mm -hmm. it averaged 1,200 players in the first month, which is not a whole lot really compared to something like. Endless Space 2, okay? Uh, mm -hmm. I, I realize Endless Space 2 came out a year ahead of time, but if you look at its launch numbers, it had 8,000 in the first month and averaged 2,000 mm -hmm. in the first month. So right. significantly more. And our last data, which came from April of this year, suggested mm -hmm. that Endless Space 2 had sold around 400,000 copies. Okay? Right. If you look at the number of reviews that Star Control Origins has total, it's about mm -hmm. 700. If you look right. at the number of reviews Endless Space 2 has, now granted, 
Endless Space yeah. 2's been out a year longer. Uh, a year and a half. Um, because Star Control came out in September, and Endless Space 2 came out in May. So almost a year and a half. Okay, year and a half, sure. Endless Space 2 has 6,400 Steam reviews. So mm-hmm. nine times as many. Now, granted, right. it's been out longer, but that's nine times as many reviews. Mm. So, you know, judging by the numbers here, I don't think that Star Control as a um, as an intellectual property has a whole lot of economic value to it. And the uh, amount of money that both parties are spending on lawyers here makes me question, like, you know, the... The reasons behind it, because, like, hmm. okay, I look at Star Control's audience, okay, mm-hmm. obviously the people mm-hmm. who are buying it, it lost mm-hmm. three quarters of its audience in the first month. It went from averaging 1,200 players to 300 players. The last mm. 30 days, it's had 186 players. Well. So, it, I don't think that Star Control Origins is attracting a lot of customers. And it makes me wonder if... Uh, the game that Paul and Fred had said they were going to make, uh, Ghost of the Precursors, would do much better. Uh, now, a okay. couple mm. of caveats. Mm-hmm. I got to unpack some of what you said right there. Is for sale on GOG, formerly Good right. Games. So there's right. sales there. I, I don't believe for a minute, though, that the audience on GOG, well, it may be larger for this because those games were available for so long. The old ones were right. available on GOG for so long. Maybe higher than for other okay. new games, but okay. it's not going to be that much higher. Okay. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's become more of a point of honor among all the parties here that are involved mm-hmm. rather than honestly protecting economic interests because I just, I just don't see much here. I just don't okay. see, uh, you know, it's not even putting up uh, Galsiv 3 numbers. Okay. So let me unpack some of what you said, at least from my sure. perspective. Yeah, go ahead. Um, you talked about reviews how many one game has versus another so i i i understand what you're saying i don't agree with you necessarily i understand what you're getting at but it's different audiences so i don't know if the audience for star control is as likely to leave a review as an audience for say galsiv or any other 4x game it's different audiences different mindsets different groups were probably targeted that's one so i don't know and as far as as far as the player base, yeah, absolutely. But then it's it's always hard to tell because there are people that play games that are not logged in, and like the default settings on Steam maybe hide some of those figures, or you're invisible, or you're not tracked. So I don't know. I mean, it we would don't have know to how. Be an enormous number of people doing that. The the way these statistics work is you don't need an enormous amount. A number of people or amount of people you need an, enough to throw that number off and if even if even if it's thrown off a little bit it becomes it becomes almost like irrelevant do you know what i mean that's that's the issue that's the problem with statistical analysis is that well if this you don't have a statistical analysis but Steam it is in a sense publishes the number of people in it that's not a really a statistic it's more of a fact no, 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 no. Yeah. I disagree with you. I disagree with you. Anything that Steam publishes is not a fact. Okay. No. If, unless I can verify the moment they hid everything from Steam Spy, it stopped being a fact. Well, if, if they the were number open, of concurrent players is not something that they've ever hidden and no long, and they still don't hide. You can okay. look it up right on the Steam user interface and see who's playing it, what. It's going to take, it's going to take another big YouTuber or Twitch streamer to rub them the wrong way and that will disappear too. Don't worry. Well, that's true, but so anyways, the data anyways, we're getting now is still good though. Potentially. Anyways, the point I'm making is that I see what you're inferring and I don't necessarily agree with you, but that doesn't change your, the point, your overall point of whether this is an like a battle for honor, you know, I'll see you at dawn, bring your pistol or, or sword or, you know, I'm going to ride my horse, you're going to ride your horse and I'll unseat you. So maybe it's come to that. And I, and you know, I, I can't say this is, you know, this is multiple parties. It's all I can say is it gets it's getting expensive, but the way lawsuits of this nature work in my understanding is once the lawsuit is resolved, somebody's held liable for the costs of the winner. So, you know, I, I don't know. It's 
this whole thing is is it's bad. It's it's it looks it looks bad on all parties, and I feel bad for everybody involved because we should be celebrating Star Control. It is it was such a fun game. Star Control Origins is a fun game. Instead of being you know drowning in the muck and the mire of lawsuits and you know lawyer speak and having people like us that don't know the first thing about it, you know, sitting on our butts and pretending like we have the first clue and talking about it. And I don't know. I, I, I don't want to go further with that. I just, I wish it was resolved and everybody walked away without hitting everybody else. But I don't know if that's going to happen at this point. And with that, I would like to move on to second to last bit, which is the what is. So last week I had asked about people's impressions, what they thought, did they like it? And the overall feedback is yes. Sometimes people might not be interested in a particular game, so they won't comment. But that does not mean that they don't like this segment. So for this week, we're going to talk about something called Star Dynasties. Now, what's really funny is a thread popped up in our Steam forum today by one of the community members letting us know about this game. And this game popped up on my radar this week from a different source, from one of the people I follow on Twitter, and they had mentioned it, so I kind of looked in on it. Now, I don't remember which day it was, because this has been like a crazy long week, and with everything going on, kids having off school for voting and stuff, It's I don't even know what day it is anymore. But um, yes, in short, humanity has spread into space, We've never heard this before. This is the first time science fiction has ever done <laughs> humanity leaving planet Earth going into space. And there was a catastrophe on Earth and Earth was destroyed. That's a little different. And as a result, there was a sort of dark ages outside. So they, don't, they, they didn't discuss like how humans got out. But once humans established colonies and, you know, the dark ages came. So obviously, you know, there's no way whatsoever that any, any colony could become scientific or can become advanced. Everybody obviously reverts to barbarism and a feudal lord must rise and bring the population of the planet under control. And we have Crusader Kings 2 in space. So there's a couple of other games out there that we're following that are kind of like this. And this feels more grand strategy than 4X. And some of the stuff in here is kind of weird to me a little bit because if you are in space and you're bringing like a feudal system into a star empire what are, what are you guys doing what are you throwing rocks at each other spears chucking you know i don't know i don't know how they're fighting so that's one of those things that doesn't make as much sense to me but anyways it looks interesting there's a couple of pictures here there's a bunch of blog if you click on the link you'll get to know more about the game there's some blogs in there they're discussing things in a lot more detail but the like one of the goals here is to make it more rpg-ish which is again more crusader kings too than something like Stellaris or Europa Universalis. So, you know, we'll keep an eye on it. It's an interesting, it's, as a first game for, for a new year, this is, I think, a great game to discuss on what is. And with that, let us talk about the last thing this week, which is, what have you been playing this week, Troy? Uh, mainly, I've been playing Space Tyrant. Um, I've started my new campaign. I'm, <clears throat> I'm a little bit better at it, so I'm nice. not losing campaigns quickly now, which is good. I picked up some new artifacts, which are kind of cool and neat. It's fun to have new game pieces to play with, but mainly that's it. Oh, I've started writing the review. I've got the exploration section. Oh, nice, nice. Well, there's not much exploration in the game, so it's pretty easy to write. Well, there you go. You see? Take it where you can get it, right? Exactly. So uh, what about you? What did you play? So this game, I play this game. This week, I played three games. And I will start with the game that I played the least to the game that I played the most. So the game that I played the least was actually um, Gladius for a little bit, just to check out some of these new AI changes and in preparation for the Audible extension. The second game that I played a bunch more is um, the game that I spoke about last week, the 4X-like game with the ducks and the animals, and the mutants, and the boars. Remember that one? Yeah. So I played some more of that. And I'm Mutant Year Zero, in case anybody's wondering. Road to Eden. And I'm enjoying it. It's it's very different than XCOM. There's a lot of XCOM beats to it, but it's I think it's even deadlier than XCOM. And your the, the margin between victory and success is more 
razor thin and you really do have to utilize stealth and you have to really consider your decisions. And adding to that, there's quite a bit of voice acting. There's a little bit too much exposition for my liking at this point, but maybe they'll adjust that a little bit. But again, these are all spoken lines and it's such a good job that I, I, I can't imagine they would take it out. So that's the second game. And the third game that I've been playing this week is Red Dead Redemption 2. And uh, the, I don't know if I can even call it a game. It is an experience. It is phenomenal. It's like, it's almost like second life, like a second life experience. And it is just, there's so much going on there. It is beyond insane. And, and the script and the voice acting and the, the narrative and the stories and the side missions and all the little things and just the world feels alive and your character feels alive and the decisions you have to make, uh, you get emotional after some of them. And I say that as a as an adult male, as a grown-up, that I have not felt emotions from video games in a very long time. I think the last time I felt it to this degree was probably the first time I played Red Dead back in like 2010, I think it was. So this is this game is wow. So if you haven't played it, I definitely we don't rate non 4X games here, but you know this is two thumbs up. And if you have played it and you agree or disagree with me hey let me know whether you think it's more horse simulator 2018 or grand theft horse or you know whatever i've seen a lot of funny euphemisms for it and i think that's it and with i think that's as far as the games go for next week i'll have something else i'll be playing probably oriental empires the new Genghis expansion or dlc or however they end up calling it but we'll have to see and i think with that i want to wrap it up and just a big thank you to our patrons that support us you're all awesome thank you so much uh this past week we had a new piece from our writer sam spackman to check out so the war of succession very very interesting piece well written lots of history this guy like oh he's a history buff so i i expect future pieces from him to have that kind of detail so prepare yourselves uh we have another writer who i'm checking out right now um He'll be his first piece is going to go into editing as soon as our Dominions 5 review. By the way, by the time you hear this, our Dominions 5 review will be up. So if you haven't read it already, please check it out. And I think that's it. You got anything, Troy? No, I think that'll do it for this episode. We'd like to thank everyone for joining us this week. We really enjoyed having you. This has been Troy and Nate for Explorminate. Take care, everyone. See ya. <laughs>